Hey guys, and welcome, and thanks so much for tuning in to this edition of Let's Be Blunt with Montalon. I am so psyched and excited to have a guest on that I'm going to have on today. I'm going to bring him in a little bit later, but in just a minute, but I want to say a little bit before he, he gets here, and it's because, you know, a lot of us know quite a bit about cannabis, and, you know, there are a lot of us who are enthusiasts, but some don't understand cannabis' role in sports, and cannabis' role in, especially contact sports, though Several football players have been now, you know, coming out and extolling the virtues of the fact that, you know, they try to use some form of cannabis before games and during games and even after games, uh, whether it be edible or not, just because they recognize and and favor the, the neuroprotective properties of cannabis and some of the cannabinoids. And also the fact that it makes them, you know, a little bit more creative. I think a lot of us can reach back and remember, you know, to the years when snowboarding was first introduced into the Olympic sports. You know, there was a big brouhaha around the world about the fact that, you know, all snowboarders are, are big potheads. Well, no, a lot of snowboarders, and I'm a snowboarder and a user of cannabis when I snowboard, because it literally just releases all the anxiety. Um, and I'm able to really do things on my board when I am, have more cannabis in me than when I don't, because I think rather than freaking out over the fact that I'm going down the hill so fast, and, you know, there are people zooming by and this, that, that, it just kind of just calms me down. And it's like, you know, ha, usa. You know, it's like, it's just a nice way to actually perform, I think, at my highest level. And I've tried to snowboard not using cannabis and snowboard with cannabis. And I won't ever get back on my board without having some cannabis in me because when I don't have cannabis and I'm on that board, I got to tell you, you want to talk about my anxiety level and I'm paranoia. It's just just overwhelming. But when I smoke a little bit, it calms me down enough. It makes me pay attention. makes me very well aware of all of my surroundings in every direction. I seem to almost have eyes in the back of my head because I can feel people coming up on me. I can feel the texture of snow differently. It just opens up those senses to the point that I think it makes me a much better snowboarder. And then there are other contact sports like the UFC. And that's why I'm so psyched to have my guest on that I have today. Um, I guess today is a former UFC welterweight champion, um, a championship contender, and was a professional fighter for the last 20 years. He's fought for the Professional Fighters League, Strike Force, and the UFC. He calls his fighting style American Jiu Jitsu, which is a fluid mix of Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and wrestling, and is now teaching Jiu Jitsu, uh, fighting pro Jiu Jitsu matches and training pro fighters. He has witnessed firsthand the positive impact that cannabis can have on the lives and our lives. Mr. Jake Shields, thanks so much for being a part of Let's Be Blunt with Montel, sir. Hey, thanks for having me, Montel. I'm excited to uh, to be on here. You know, it's uh, I'm a longtime advocate of cannabis and longtime smoker. It's something I rarely talk about, so it was interesting when I got this invite. It's like, oh, yeah, cool. So, well, Yeah, well, let's, let's go back a little bit, though. Let's talk about when did, well, I, you know, we don't have to go out your age now, but when did you... When did your first memory of smoking? Uh, my first memory, well, I think I started smoking a little too young, honestly. I maybe smoked a little bit, 14, 15. I was a troubled kid, and I don't recommend that. You know, I, I smoked a couple say, years when I was young. Don't, don't say too young, because that was about the same time that I started smoking. And, yeah, if I look back at it, I could have probably waited a year or two. How yeah. Was, it was okay for me in the times. 
Yeah, I don't think he did any like serious damage to me, but I definitely recommend people not smoking that young. I think it's better to wait. But then, but I didn't smoke. You know, I quit for a while and then started smoking again more like in my mid twenties. And I just realized it's again, I'm not an everyday smoker, but I like to smoke sometimes nights to relax and sleep. And I also like uh, sometimes when I'm training jujitsu or these moves. Everything's are so it's so technical and so confusing. Sometimes when I smoke a little cannabis, it uh, makes me a little more creative. So maybe I'm struggling trying to figure some moves out. Sometimes I'll smoke and it'll all start clicking and making sense. So you go out there and all of a sudden, because people don't realize how technical like jujitsu and fighting is. It's like, uh, like they say, it's like, it's like chess martial arts. So you go out there and you smoke and sometimes you see things from different perspectives. So you go out there and you might fire a completely different way. Yeah. You were saying um, you snowboard on it. I was actually a really big snowboarder in high school. I was thinking about, oh, should I try to be a pro snowboarder or a pro pro fighter? And I would always, uh, I would always smoke when I snowboarded, and they did way better. So, oh man, I'm gonna tell you, it's it's a, to me, it's the difference in night and day. I mean, literally, if I don't go out, and I, you know, I, there, there was a period of time let me just say something, my friend. I was snowboarding like 140 days a year, so I was yeah. in the time going to different countries, going to South America, snowboarding. And there were times that you know I found myself without any cannabis, and I'd get on the board, and it. It's not that it wasn't as much fun, but I got to tell you, my anxiety level was like, you know, way up here when I wasn't smoking because, again, I, I ride a little fast. I, I you know, I'm yeah. probably average, my average speed. I, I've hit 62 miles an hour on my snowboard, but I mean, my average speed on a mountain inside a resort is around mid thirties. And, you yeah. know, whizzing by somebody like that, you know, when you do that and you're not smoking, you know, I don't know. I, it, it, it's, I just always felt ultra paranoid and, and literally felt like, you know, I had to watch out for every single person around me because they're going to hit me in a second. You know I mean? so, You're right. So you smoke, you kind of just like, you just kind of get in the zone. You just kind of float down the mountain. That's how I feel. It's kind of right. the same in Jitsu. You just kind of start flowing with it, you know, instead of like thinking what you're doing, it just starts happening. Absolutely. Now you just signed a pro Jitsu uh, match for high rollers. It's a new show that's mixing cannabis and jujitsu together. So yes. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it's very interesting. My friend uh, Matt started it along with like Nick and Nate Diaz, who are extremely, uh, extremely famous fighters, well known for the cannabis use. So they started this high rollers and basically people are getting high before they compete. So, I mean, obviously it's a little bit of a, it's a little different. Usually, you know, we'll smoke when we train, but not when we compete. I've never uh, smoked before I competed. This will be the first time. So it's going to be interesting. I think we have us, you know, the guys, I think a lot of times we'll sit in the mat, smoke a joint and then go and compete. And I'm going against another UFC veteran, uh, Diego Sanchez. He's another original guy who's fought almost. The, he won the first season Ultimate Fighter. So it's another guy that I've known for years, had respected. So we're taking it serious, but it's also kind of fun. You know, we're going to go out there, we're going to smoke, and then we're going to try to beat each other. So it should be a – they're trying to make it entertainment. I think they're going to have some, like, you know, music guests out there. They're trying to add some excitement to jiu-jitsu and, and mix the cannabis. So, so many people train jiu-jitsu and smoke cannabis. So why not fuse the two? And a lot of people don't understand that, you know, it, there is some science behind the idea of using cannabinoids as a neural protector, correct? Yeah, you know, I think a lot of people, I mean, I don't know the whole science, but definitely do investigations with like the brain for like concussions and stuff. I mean, I'm not 100%, the science isn't concluded on that, but I think it might help for that. And um, I'm a huge believer in cannabis helping for pain. More of the reason, um, when I was young, my uh, my dad got in a really, really bad uh car wreck where he was just in bad pain you know he was in a hospital bed for like six months and then obviously got hooked on the pain pills coming off 
helped and he was able to start using cannabis to mostly get off the pain pills, not hundred percent off because he had such, you know, bad, uh, bad long-term pain from the wreck, but he was able to mostly smoke cannabis and use small amounts of pills instead of heavy amounts of pills. And he, to him, he just said it made him feel so much clear headed and then being, you know, high in the pills versus the cannabis, it was a much, much better choice for him. So from a young age, I saw like real, real medical benefits. I know some people will say, oh, medical and just trying to get high. But like for me growing up, I saw like, oh, it actually was medical for my dad. So. Well, I got to tell you, I can echo for your dad's sentiments because, you know, when I first got diagnosed with MS, one of my primary symptoms was extreme neuropathic pain in my lower extremities. I tried everything, all kinds of opioids. And, you know, I found out very, very early on that the opioids were not getting, were not giving me the relief that I needed. And when I shifted over to cannabis, I literally walked away from the opioids almost completely, you know, though I used them on those extreme nights, but I didn't get the same. I got an entirely different sense of relief from cannabis than I got from opioids. And I've stuck with it. And that's been you know, one of the things that I think has been the driving force by my use, you know, now for 20 years. But now we know that there is science out there that has proven that cannabinoids do have an anti-inflammatory effect and they do have a uh, neuroprotectant effect. And so I think for contact sports, this may be, you know, not a panacea, but it could be something that's really just good to have in your arsenal or your quiver. Yeah, no, I 100% think there's a, there's, there's 100% medical benefits. And, you know, you got to be careful the other way, too. I'm not like one of those advocates that says it never can be harmful. I think there's some people that can smoke all the time and can maybe make them a little lazy. I think each person that does it needs to be very careful what it's doing to them and watch that. But overall, I think the benefits outweigh the negatives. Absolutely. I agree. And I, and I think you're, you're right. It's an individual thing. And we know that that's the reason why so many different cultivars are out there right now anyway, because... Certain cultivars work for people in different ways. And I think we're finding out as science starts to do more research. Yeah, and that's, that's the one thing we realize. There's different cannabis, there's different body reaction. That's why you have to be a little careful. It's not necessarily a Blakin statement. You got to kind of find what works for you. So I'm always careful not to like over push people into it. Just like smart, start slow and see how your body reacts to it. Absolutely. And that should be, that's the, should be the moniker for cannabis period. Always start slow. And then gradually, gradually add to it. Now, you know, what's been a position on cannabis in fighting and in mixed martial arts and, and over the last few years? It's, it's been changing a lot because for a while they were, you know, they would spend people for, you, I think it was like a year the first time. My friend Nick Diaz actually, I think he tested positive two or three times. Last time he tested positive, they tried to give him a lifetime ban. They ended up giving him like a five-year ban. They ended up getting reduced to like a year or two, but it's just uh, – the guy's, it's not a performance enhancer, you know, he's smoking because, you know, I think, it, I think it calms him down. Like he's one of those people that, you know, I think maybe ADD or something. So he needs the marijuana to calm him down. He like legitimately needs it. And then they're trying to give him a lifetime ban because of it. It was ridiculous. But recently they've actually, the UFC has said they're not going to test for it anymore. There still are some, some commissions that could though. So it's not a hundred percent legal in the sport, but as far as the UFC goes, they're saying it's fine. But there's a couple of states that still could ban you from it. Yeah, that was uh, as of like January of uh, January 14, 2021. They, uh, now, they, they do try to test for THC, though, do they not or not? I think they were testing, but recently, but I think they're not. They're saying you're not supposed to smoke day of, but I'm not really sure how they can know from the test. So they say that you're allowed to do it leading up to the camps now, which is definitely the right direction. I think more and more sports are going that direction because it doesn't make sense to – it's not a performance enhancer, so it doesn't make sense to spend people for smoking. Correct. And especially if guys are doing it while they're training and, you know, it's, it's their way to relieve pain and relieve other issues. And especially, 
since right now we are using, you know, a broader spectrum of CBD, though THC levels are very, very low, there could be trace elements of THC there that would be detectable even if you weren't using cannabis to get a euphoria. Yeah, like a lot of times I'll use the CBD THC mix, like especially at night because it helps to calm me down. Just barely gets me high, but like relaxes the body. And especially the way we train, we get beat up sometimes, you know, sh- sh- shoulders, the body, the back, the neck. It's, like I said, it's common for a lot of athletes to, you know, get hooked on pills and stuff and getting beat up. And I would way rather do a little cannabis THC and relax my body than a pharmaceutical <laughs> drug. My uh, my son uh, is a mixed martial artist and he he's a fighter right now. And, um, I tell you, it's, it's the one thing that he he doesn't he doesn't do it when he actually is in a competitive fight, but he does do it during his training without a doubt, um, and extols its benefits, uh, you know, to anybody who will listen. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Do you want to know how to become a social media influencer, how to grow an online business, how to make money from your laptop and build a profitable online company? Well, I'm going to show you how in my podcast, Living the Red Life. I built a million-dollar company at the age of 25, a $10 million company at the age of 30, and now I'm the A-list celebrity marketer that speaks around the world on how to transform businesses and make them profitable using Facebook ads, marketing, social media. My name is Rudy Moore, and I'm super pumped to bring you my podcast, Living the Red Life. I know this is going to become your new favorite podcast, and I'm going to show you how to grow a profitable online company step-by-step every single week. Yeah, I know it's 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 huge and fighting and jiu-jitsu. So many people use it for different reasons. Like I said, the, the creativity and the sleep and then the relaxation and pain seem to be the the main reasons. But it's definitely a real uh, a real benefit for people when they're hurting. If you had to had to just you know I don't know guess at the percentage of fighters and leagues that you do think use cannabis for pain relief or for sleep, but what would that percentage be? You think? I would say close to half. There's a lot. It's like definitely a lot of guys smoke, you know, it's gotta be somewhere near half. Mm-hmm. Now tell me a little bit about, you know, you were talking about the partners of yours that you know, that started this uh, high rollers thing. Talk a little bit about them. What's your relationship going on with them? Yeah. Well, I'm just, um, it was more of the guy, Matt and then Nick and Nate helped him start it, but I'm good friends with these guys. So I, I was, uh, I, I helped give them ideas and they're asking me how to do, and I'm still, you know, he consults with me quite a bit with his ideas and uh, I might actually, he wants to start doing a bunch of super fights and turn it more pro. So I might help be the matchmaker and start making matches for him. And, uh, you know, we're, we're trying, we're trying to keep it fun, but professional. We want it to be like exciting, but we are mixing, trying to fuse, bring the cannabis crowd and the jujitsu crowd together. Cause jujitsu, I'd say probably half the people smoke. It's really big in jujitsu, if not more. A lot of guys, before they go to the gym, you know, they're smoking out front and they go in and train. So it's so figure might as well fuse the two together. And talk a little bit about it. Cause for those who don't really understand, what's the difference between let's say jujitsu and judo. Um, there, there's not a ton. I mean, they're, they're, they're related martial arts. Judo actually helped form jujitsu. I mean, judo was the original offset of it. Judo's more throws and they do have submissions, but it's generally more based on, on the takedown and then quick time to submission. And jujitsu focuses more once you get to the ground, getting for the submission. So a lot of people train both because, you know, you have good takedowns and good submissions. So a lot of martial artists, they, they blend the martial arts together. Like a lot of times when I use the term jiu-jitsu, I'm actually referring to a mix of jiu-jitsu, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, wrestling, because the top guys now are fusing all these grappling martial arts together. When did you first get started in, in martial arts? Uh, I started wrestling, actually, I think around somewhere around 10, 
my dad brought me into wrestling. So because my dad had wrestled and was a boxer. So he started me wrestling. I did that for a while, got more serious in high school, went to college and wrestled for a couple of years. And that's when I got into fighting. I met, um, I'm not sure if you know, Chuck Liddell. He's, um, he's, he was, he was the first MMA fighter to cross over to mainstream people that don't know him watching this. He's the guy with the Mohawk, the tattoos in the head. You see him, you know, him. he looks, he looks like a fighter. Awesome guy, like nicest guy ever, but you see him and he looks like a scary dude. But I met him in college and I was just like, oh, this, I went in and work out with him one day and he just beat the crap out of me. I thought I was the toughest guy for my wrestling, you know, and I'm like, oh man, I, not in a bad way, but he showed me like how much better he was. And I'm like, oh, I want to learn what he's doing. And then just started training from there. And, you know, I think within, within a month I'd take my first fight and then just got addicted. Was never planning on being a professional fighter. But at that point I saw Chuck start making all this money and I'm like, oh, well, if he can do it, maybe I can do it. And just one thing led to the next. And so you turned pro and you turned pro quickly, right? Yeah, really quick. It was a little different back then because there wasn't, you know, many amateur shows. So it was more you kind of had to just jump in pro. But yeah, I turned turned pro like I had a wrestling background. So that, that is a martial art. But I turned pro within like a month, which is which is way too quick. And you well, you won your first match, right? Yeah, won my first couple, and then you know I think I went like two and two my first four fights, and then then I got more serious with the training. I would, and, you know, I won I think the first two. I'm like, oh, I'm invincible. But then you realize, okay, there's a lot of other martial arts I have to learn. Right, right, right. And then there was a period, if I'm not mistaken, you were you went almost uh, after one loss, you went almost 15 in a row, right? Yeah, I did like 15 win strike, but like 15 versus like top guys. You know, several UFC, several UFC uh, uh, champs in that, several titles. It was a uh, it was definitely a great run. The guys I beat in that it was multi. It's, it's tough to go, you know, five, six years in a row in the sport undefeated. So I definitely had a good run. Gotcha. Gotcha. And now, which, what do you do mostly now? What are you just training mostly or cornering? What are you doing? Yeah. You know, I'm still, I said I'm 42, but I, I still feel in great shape. I think part of it is, you know, I take care of my body, maybe, maybe the cannabis, but I also, you know, I think I don't let myself get out of shape. I think it's a big part of it when you get a little older. So I still work out almost every day and I'm training, still doing these professional jujitsu matches. I haven't officially retired fighting, but it would have to be a fight that really interests me to get me to go back in there. And I've been helping a lot of the, um, I moved to Vegas a couple months ago and there's all like, I hadn't really been following MMA, I just been doing jiu-jitsu, but moving back to Vegas, there's uh, there's so many young, young up and coming fighters here. People like your son that you mentioned, and it made me start watching the sport again and start loving the sport again. So I've been helping out all these young guys and figure out maybe I'm older. I can help my knowledge and experience to help some of these young guys win some titles. Gotcha. Now let's let's go back for a second to talk a little bit about you told me that you started first using cannabis when you were about 15, 16 years old, but now you have also funded and gotten involved in some um cannabis companies, have you not? Yeah. Yeah, I actually helped um I was the first investor and helped uh found uh actually a really big company right now. It's called Bloom Farms, mostly in California. We do CBD CB, uh, CBD too, which I think is nationwide, but the cannabis is just in California. But uh we're one of the top uh, top ten companies out there. I'm not really barely. I'm hardly involved anymore. But like the first year, you know, I helped my with my good friend started. I helped him. I invested, got the company launched, and it was one of those one of those risks I was taking. Like, oh, maybe I'm throwing a little money away. But I was like, ah, first investor, see what happens. We started just getting um, the vape pens. We we're one of the early people making those vape pens, and then as you know, they, they blew up. So we were some of the first vape pens on the market, and then it just. Uh, the company's got huge. So it's interesting watching a company that you started blow up to one of the, the biggest ones. Are you still involved now? Or yeah, just- I, I'm not like any day-to-day work, not like involved with it. But like I said, I was the first, the very first investor. So financially, I still have ties. And I talked to the guys over there uh, quite a bit. It's one of my good friends was the founder, the main founder and the guy who's the CEO still. So 
Right. Now, are you uh, are there any particular cultivars that you like more than others? Um, no, I just like you know where I like my, a lot of my friends in the industry, so I kind of give whatever uh, whatever my friends are giving me. I use a lot of the Bloom Farm product, of course. Uh, my other friends got this company, Backpack Boys, who always has all the top strains. He gives me some stuff sometimes, so I mostly just uh, they're always giving me the top new strains they got. That's good. And and again, you said your consumption is not necessarily daily, but you you definitely use after you train and you know yeah. as a as recovery. Like a right? couple times a week. I'm not like a major, you know, maybe like two, three times a week. Depends. Sometimes I won't smoke a week at all. Sometimes I'll smoke a few times. Like right now, I've been training for that match, so I'm super sore. So I'm like, it's almost this week. I'll probably smoke every night because my body's all beat up. So I train. I picked up my training. Mm-hmm. Well, good. Let me do this. I got to take a little break. Let me take a little break. Okay. So I can pay both. And then once I do, we'll come back and let's talk about this upcoming match. And, you know, what do, what do you do to prepare? And those kinds of Great. things. Okay? Sounds good. Absolutely, my friend. I can thank you so much for being here today and being with me. But today we're talking to Mr. Jake Shields, who's a professional MMA fighter and a mixed martial artist and a jiu-jitsu expert. And he's sharing his journey with cannabis here on Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Take a little break. We'll be back right after this. Hey, guys, again, thanks so much for being a part of Let's Be Blunt with Montana. Our guest today is a former UFC welterweight championship contender. He was, he's been a professional fighter for 20 years now, almost over 20 years. He fought for the Professional Fighters League, Strike Force, and the UFC. And he calls his fighting style American Jiu-Jitsu, which is a fluid mix of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and wrestling. He's now teaching Jiu-Jitsu, fighting pro, and he's, he's uh, putting together pro Jiu-Jitsu matches, and he's training pro fighters. He's witnessed firsthand the positive impact that cannabis can have on lives. Mr. Jake Shields, thanks so much, Jake, for being a part of the show today, sir. Yeah, and man, like I said before, thanks for having me. I was, uh, I turned down like 95% of my podcast requests, but I'm like, oh, Montel Williams, pretty cool. <laughs> well, thank you, sir. I really appreciate you being here and being a part of the yeah, show. Yeah, you, you've, been, you've been in the game forever, so. Oh, man. Then, you know, again, you've got a, a you just signed as a pro jujitsu match for High rollers. One more time. Explain to people what that is. Yeah, it's the tournament where we where we smoke a joint and then we train jujitsu in a pro match. Like I said, I mean, like I said, I'm a light smoker, so never done anything like that. So it's gonna be uh, it'll be interesting. And the guy I'm going against is a guy I've known for years. So it'll you know he's a he's a cool guy. So we're gonna be competitive because we both want to win. We're both competitive guys, but uh, but we don't like hate each other. So it's like a guy you like, which makes it nicer. And it's uh, yeah, it'll be cool. Go out there and just have some fun. Are you doing anything different to train for this fight than you would in the past? Um, I've had so many fights and so many matches. It's just, it's all I do is I just, you know, a few weeks before a match, I'll just up my training now. So I just add a little intensity, add a little running. You know, you train a little bit harder because a lot of times when I go in now, I'm just kind of playing around. But once I have matches, I'll, I'll have some like hard matches where, where you're going on your feet. But the training's not too different. It's, it's training for a jitsu match, it's a lot easier training for a fight the fight camps were tough when you're, you know, you're sparring three times a week for like eight weeks before your fight. People don't understand like the, the sport's so tough because the training camps wear you out. So the grappling matches are, are a lot more fun, a lot easier, at least for me, the way I look at it. Absolutely. Now you're a single father, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, my daughter, she's grown up now. She's off in college and uh, going to school in Long Beach. She's grown up watching you fight her whole life, right? Yep. So for her, that's all she ever knew. She was a little baby. It was like, it wasn't until she started getting a little older that she realized that, like, oh, this is like crazy what he's doing. You know, when you're like six, seven, it's just, oh, your dad's in a cage fighting someone. That's like no big deal. You get a little older, you're like, wait, my dad's in a cage fighting someone. Someone could get hurt. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Is that what she thinks? Will she come to you? Does she come to any of your fights? 
Uh, never brought her to the fights. It just seems stressful. I mean, I see you guys bring their kids to the fight, but it just seems stressful to me bringing like kids and, and girlfriends to fights. I prefer like separating the two and just uh, going out there with a clear mind and doing my own thing. Gotcha. She's watched them on TV though, but it's just stressful enough. And what, I mean, now over the next year or so, you plan on getting more into training and meaning training other fighters more into cornering and things like that or managing other fighters? Um, it's, it's hard to say because honestly, I had no really interest in training fighters. I something I thought I was I was done with, and then I kind of moved out to Vegas a couple months ago, and it kind of just fell into place. There's all these guys here. There's guys that want help. You know, I'm, I'm really really high level grappler, so I can help these guys. I have the experience, so I'm so I'm just kind of playing around with. Not sure if it's something I'm going to do long term and take seriously, or something that I'm just uh, going to mess around with. I'm kind of you never know where life where life takes you. You know, luckily I have a, have a lot of different stuff going on. I'm not in a situation where I like have to be doing any types of work. So right now I'm enjoying it and, and see how long I want to do it for. Gotcha. What's, what's the next, let's say, what's the next year hold for Jake? Uh, I'll likely stay. Like I said, I just moved from San Francisco to Vegas. I think I'll be here for at least a year and see if I'm liking it. So the next year I am planning on, you know, training some guys, doing some matches, and then kind of reevaluate next year if I want to stay here or go back to California or what I want to do. What, would you, the, what kind of advice would you give somebody who wanted to, let's say, go ahead and get into professional fighting right now, especially into – you know, I, I've always thought that this would be the sport that would take over boxing. Um, just hasn't hit that mark yet. It's getting close. Yeah, I think anyone that wants to get into it, first need to ask themselves, do they really want to get into it? I mean, do they really want to fight or are they just trying to get famous real quick? Because it is a tough sport and it takes years. There's ups and there's downs and you better um, only do it if you're really serious. And then consistency. You can't, you know, like train a month, take a month off. You got to just, you got to keep training. It's going to take years, hard work. And the next thing is try to find a good coach and good training partners. They're going to have your back. So just that, yeah. that, that's the main work, but realize that it, it, it ain't a, it ain't a game. You know, some of these guys think, Oh, they're going to jump in there, but it's a, it's a real sport. You know, people are getting, you know, getting bones broke. You, it's, it's, it's not easy. I love the sport, but it's a love hate relationship. I mean, it is, and, it's, and this is something that you definitely pay your dues in. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not a game. I mean, you have a son that fights. I'm for sure you see how stressful it is when he fights. It's a, it's not a game out there. It's, it's a real sport. Yeah. And I mean, I see, I, I see how stressful it is when he actually has a, a pro match, but I, I just think about him every day of the week when he's training and he's also trains other people and he helps corner other guys and he's really good in grappling, but you know, there's always somebody better. I mean, you know, that's yeah, something. no, exactly. It's a tough sport. And so it's a, even, even when you're at that top level, there's always someone gunning for you. So it's like, it's one of those sports that I, I love the sport, but guys, if they want to do it, they got to make sure they really want to do it. If they're going to make that step. That's my opinion. Absolutely. And, and you know, anything else you want to add, my friend? What's that? Say anything else you want to add? Uh, not really. Just, you know. Cool. Well, so if somebody wanted to be able to know, will they be able to catch your fight online? Will they be able to catch it live? Where do they go to catch your next match? I think, unfortunately, it's going to be a week delayed. I know High Rollers. I can't remember the TV. Yeah, he has a TV deal that's cutting it up for him, but unfortunately, I can't remember the name right now. But it's going to be a week delayed. He wants to get him live. It's a new show. He's put, new show he's putting together, so hopefully the next one will be live. Gotcha. But if they wanted to get more information or wanted to be able to check in with you, where do they go? Is there a website you have? Um. Well, for high rollers, like I think they got high. The, uh, I don't know if they have website, but high rollers for me, I'm on Twitter at Jake Shields AJJ, Instagram Jake Shields. So I try, I try to update stuff on there. I'm not always the best at it, but I try to do updates when I have matches and stuff coming up. Cool. Well, make sure you update people about this match coming up, and at least they'll they'll be rooting for you and sending you out, you know, lots of good vibes, my friend. Yeah, definitely will do. 
So, and and I, I'm, I'm glad that you're in Vegas now and I'm going to make sure I connect you and my son. Yeah, connect, connect me with your son. I mean, I'm out here training, helping train a lot of these guys. So definitely down to, down to work out with them some. Sure thing, for sure. Well, thanks so much for being a part of the show today, sir. I really appreciate it. You stay well, stay safe, and stay victorious. Thank you, Montel. It was great meeting you, man. Have a good time. Thanks for joining me on Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Please make sure you're subscribed and hit the bell to be notified when new episodes post each week. We'd love to hear your feedback also, so please send us your comments. Are you dealing with best life burnout, constantly striving for more, and quite frankly, over it? Maybe you just want more joy, peace, and laughter in your life now. Well, then let's go. Welcome to your new favorite podcast, Hot Happy Mess, hosted by me, your girl, Zuri Hall. We are celebrating our magic in the middle of life's messes. Don't miss new episodes every Wednesday. Listen to the Hot Happy Mess podcast on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Mishkin, and I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday.